<laughs> All right, boys, welcome to another episode of Fight Stories. John Moses, Tyler Morrison. Yeah, what's up, dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Fell off the pony in golf this weekend, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, your streak's <laughs> over? Oh, you had, you, had, you had Tiger Woods making it to his appointment? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bet the farm on Tiger Woods and... Uh... <laughs> Didn't cut out at the knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. Yeah, well, listen, you had a good streak there, kid. You're oh still- yeah. Oh yeah. Listen, we're in the top three. So yeah. We're we're sniffing around. Me and Trevor Crane, we're ride or die. There should be a movie on Trevor Crane. Trevor Crane, there should be a movie about Trevor Crane. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just a gambling, just a gambling legend. <laughs> so I don't know if I shared this on the podcast, but I you know, I wrote my car off. Did you tell uh, me about that? <laughs> two weeks. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, right, right, right. So I wrote my I wrote my car off, and I've been I've been renting, and the the the, the period for me to get a free car rental from insurance has fucking long gone, dude. It is oh. way past expired, and I'm in the middle of refinancing, so I didn't want to go out and get a car payment to fuck up the refinance. Yeah, so I've been renting cars, and I'm also taking my time with the paperwork, but I've been renting cars. <laughs> and i've rented so many cars in the last month from this rental agency they gave me a free upgrade to a mustang oh that's beauty oh dude, that's <laughs> awesome dude i never want to go back such a slime ball you're like uh what's his name <laughs> <laughs> in uh <laughs> cobra kai <laughs> oh yeah 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 Johnny. yeah yeah and um so i'm rolling around in a mustang with the baby seat in the back <laughs> so good yeah. you know you know whenever when i was like a young young child a young foolish child that didn't know shit about how the world worked you'd see like an older dude in a sports car and be like that guy's having a midlife crisis and now like <laughs> as an older dude he's like no that f- guy just finally was able to afford the car he wanted yeah exactly you he's know, been... nothing to do with the midlife crisis dude you know he's just like fuck finally i've got enough to get that sweet ride you know or like this is a guy who's been spending so much money on booze for most of his life and then was forced to go sober by a doctor or the law and now yeah. he finally has enough money in his bank account. Right, right, right. <laughs> that guy, but that guy, the thing about that guy is he's still living in a one-bedroom apartment though, but he's finally got that whip. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You see a young guy with that type of car, you know his parents got money. Yeah. But you know what? It's always the old guy that goes for the muscle car. <laughs> dude i actually feel like a dirtbag riding it <laughs> like i'm like man people must think i'm a fucking dirtbag oh man i am a dirtbag i would love that shit uh, if i had a corvette i'd have a ponytail oh so, yeah dude. it would just sprout <laughs> you'd have a ponytail but then like it would take from the, the the front of your hairline it would be like it would recede automatically and come out the back like wow yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, to- Hawaiian shirt, ponytail, and a middle Damn, finger right. for everyone that fucking drives by. Yeah, right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Just blasting the finger. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good way to start a fight. Just show up in a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, there was uh, this guy was getting kind of picked on by these by these older dudes. And so he called his older brother up and these kids, they had some money. I think their parents owned a dealership 
uh, yeah, they, what, their dad or something owned a car dealership. They're friends with all these rich dudes. And they showed up at the school, all these older guys, and they're all driving like Vipers and, you know, whatever, like the nicest cars. It was like a car show, not a fight. <laughs> they just showed up to intimidate these younger dudes. But oh, it was the, the nicest cars I've ever seen all in one thing. And they, it was like a motorcade of all these these guys pulling into our high school with these cars the high school students the other kids what's that did it work did the cars intimidate them no it was fucking it was kind of lame but i but i think there was uh oh actually i will say this there's this one guy though one of the older dudes that was there he's fucking tough as nails i'd love to get him on the podcast um <laughs> we'll call it episode viper Oh no, he, like I don't know what if he was I think he was friends with like the older brothers, but uh this guy Dave Liute, cool as fuck. And uh he went up to the, this dude and he was like, you know, he's just telling him like leave this guy alone type thing. And one of them pulled a knife and Dave Liute got raw, got raw on these dudes, man. Like <laughs> he just walked up to the guy with the knife and just bitch slaps him right in the face. And he picks up the guy's friend by the ears off the ground <laughs> and this guy was jack too he was a scary scary dude I mean, he was yeah. probably like four years older than me he's, he's <laughs> yeah. same grade me. though dude same grade because that's how it worked back yeah yeah <laughs> no he wasn't in high school then but he, he's friends with the mcgee's i'm pretty sure yeah. anyway he uh he yeah he picked, picked this kid up off the ground by his ears everyone was so scared it was and like even the guys with knives were like where they weren't coming anywhere near him yeah because the guy pulled the knife and he pulled his shirt up he's like fucking stab me bro he's like just stick it in if you're gonna fucking do it do it and the guy just backed right off it was it was a it was a pretty impressive lesson in intimidation now he was four years older than than these guys and he was he was a machine but i mean knives are a pretty good equalizer i'd say yeah dude it takes a uh it takes quite the swayze to go up to a guy with the knife yeah, shout out to Dave Liute. And Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Gotta get you on the podcast, buddy. <laughs> come on, Davey. <laughs> come on down. He'll come on and be like, yeah, it didn't really go down like that. <laughs> I was actually just really afraid. glorifying it. <laughs> yeah, it was a butter knife. The legend, <laughs> the legend is always better than the true story. You know? Yeah, but I did see that firsthand. <laughs> so funny. Now let's take a second to shout out our sponsors. Um, number one, big thanks to Absolute Nature CBD, the finest in all natural organic CBD oils. They were there for season two and then they came back for season three. Um, I guess they liked what you guys were buying and you guys must have liked what they're selling because uh, they are back. Um, use the promo code Goon Squad and you will get a 40% discount. I know I said 45 before, but it's 40 yeah, that was all bullshit. That 45, that was 45, bullshit. 45 is too much. 40. <laughs> you guys are getting greedy. <laughs> it's 40. But still, but that's still a great discount. Last season, it was 20%. And um, anybody who is just finding the podcast, who plugs in that Goon Squad uh, promo code, and they think they're getting 20, are going to get a nice little surprise at checkout because it is now 40. Um, so make sure you guys check those guys out. AbsoluteNature.com. Uh, AbsoluteNatureCBD.com. AbsoluteNatureCBD.com. Um, Let's not fuck them around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and plug in promo code promo code goon squad second secondly we want to thank our our sponsor uncle ronnie's tea bag the good the good the good gentleman at uncle ronnie's tea bag uh, is where we are selling all of our fight stories merch from this season including the trevor gillies punches our vitamin shirts which are flying off the racks so make sure you check that out you can go there you can get our merch you can get um the trevor gilly shirt and then they've got a bunch of other stuff that you guys can surf around and buy so let's get into uh what do you think should we get into uh today's uh fight vid yeah let's check it out okay so for this one i think i mean i'm sure you've seen this one this isn't like a pure reaction but i think this is one where we can go back and do a little revisit of a classic because i mean who doesn't love a good goalie fight right Uh, this is the the most iconic goalie fight of all time you think so you'd say that okay i would say so i would say so and there's there's a lot of reasons why uh but the number one reason being that ron hextall was such a menace for right. so long and everyone really did hold him up on that pedestal as yeah. the toughest goalie in the yeah, league. He was, he was feared and revered. That's right. I mean, Billy Smith before him, there'd be people that probably would say that Billy Smith was, was tougher than Hextall, but Hextall got a lot of attention right. for the stick swinging and the antics. He was, he was a wild dude. The um, Connor McGregor he, of his time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this, this fight um, here is, definitely the one that uh gets the most attention oh yeah this is this is buster douglas beats tyson is what this is right here that's exactly what this is the upset of the century and uh you guys know exactly if you're a hockey fan you know what we're talking about oh yeah i saw this live we were losing our minds oh man i still remember watching it it was it was tough for me (laughs) because i loved hextall but felix poffin was probably my favorite goalie at the time because i'm a leaf fan of course, so, first and foremost. You know, you, I love Hextall. I had a poster of Hextall, but I also had a poster of Poppin. So, like, this is, you know, two childhood heroes going at it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Felix Poppin, Ron Hextall. It's pulling this fight. Show me Daniels' fight. One sec. And it'll end up 3-1 Philadelphia. This fight isn't over yet. Oh, there's Clark. Wendell <laughs> Clark goes after Daniel LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> Clark's just on the ground feeding him. Oh, yeah. Clark's got LaCroix down. Just pumping him. Oh, yeah. Even the announcer is like, Felix doesn't think this is a good idea. You don't know what's in Felix's mind. <laughs> oh, man. And Hexall's kind of got the jersey coming off. Yeah. Head down no, no, no. and pump. Bobson throws a couple nice left uppercuts there when Hexall's oh, yeah. got head down. Yeah, yeah. Felix has got his head down. He looks like he's tied up, but then he starts throwing those bombs and they're connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Sudden, look, everybody's stopping and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Watch the goal. Like it looks like it's done. And it's like. And then Clark ran in and grabbed Lacroix. And both goalies now. Yep. Our shoulder to shoulder talking about goaltending strategy. That has worked for I love how the rep is just like on both of them, like leaning on both of them. It almost looks like a football huddle. Uh, good for Felix, boy. He didn't want to get in this. 
Hextall's been in a lot of them. Felix hasn't been in any Oh, Hextall is beat up, dude. There's you a see Hextall's eye? I can tell me talking shit. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. That, was that a playoff game or just a regular season? Just regular season, and uh, it's just a good tilt, man. Such good, such good rough games in Philly. Do you remember the that fight where where Domi went in the penalty box and then a guy leaned on the glass and fell in and Domi started pumping him? He turned the water yeah. over the box and Domi started pumping him. That was amazing. Oh, that was a great fight. <laughs> a great moment. Like just seeing the, seeing the guy. Um, who thinks he's invincible? Yeah, coming after a guy like Domi, and then it's like falling in the lion cage at the zoo, dude. That is exactly what it's like like the baboons that just rip these poor people apart, you know. <laughs> and Domi showed a little bit of mercy because I think he probably was like, Oh, shit, I might get sued here. And then yeah, it, got, yeah. it was a crazy story. I know Domi told it on Spit and Chicklets the whole thing about it. Um, oh, so amazing, and how he tried it's in his book, too. Yeah, I think it's Domi's book's called Shift Work. Um, good, you know, it's a good read. Check it out. But Domi definitely talks all about that and how he had to cool out that situation. Right. He's, you, you probably get the few, first few off and you're feeling it and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Turn it back up. Turn it back up. Oh, yeah. And it was more that Buddy was more, he was kind of embarrassed. I think that's what it was like. Because they ran with it hard in the media. They ran with that hard. Yeah. Oh, it was a very you know, Sports Center's playing that 24/7. That's a great video clip. Oh hell yeah! My dad, so my dad thought the fans and Phillies were such animals because of that moment for years, and he was not wrong. But they were always like that. You know, right. if you can watch the Broad Street Bullies clips, man, with like Dave the Hammer Schultz and stuff. Like, there's cops on the ice. <laughs> like, there's there's. There's a cop. I don't know if he's on the ice or if he's in the stands trying to break up the fight that's going on the ice. And a guy reaches over the glass and pulls the cop's hat off his head like a fan. Like they're just out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, totally. The best type of the best type of fans (laughs) to have on your side. To have on your side. Exactly. But you don't want to be. I still don't want to wear a Leaf jersey to one of those games. I wish our listenership was just all Philadelphia Flyer fans, and that's it. <laughs> just a bunch of wing nuts. And then, and then we would tour from city to city with them at our back, just like like roaming packs of hooligans, dude. You know. <laughs> yeah, we gotta start getting more ex Flyers on here, dude. Yeah, I know. Stop showing videos of Hextall getting beat up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, show all the other ones. Oh my God! Yeah, but that was the David versus Goliath fight right there, and and Hextall, oh, yeah. Hextall, he gave some good shots too. The Hextall did hit Potvin with a couple nice ones, but Potvin, yeah. he he won that fight. And you would almost, I would almost say it was a draw until Hextall came up all beat up like that. Mm-hmm. But there is a punch, and I'd I'd like to watch it where it's like closer up. I don't know right. if there is is a closer up angle of the replay or something but there's a punch that Hextall threw that I thought slowed Potvin down but maybe I'm wrong I just felt like there was one and maybe it's not on this angle of the video that we're watching because it's kind of far back where they're showing it 
I'm gonna watch it again here. I get you know what's so beauty about that is like Poppin is so fucking unassuming. Mm-hmm. You know? Like who would have a cool dude Other... though? Like Poppin yeah. would go oh, yeah. to punk rock concerts and shit. He was a he's a a wilder guy than I think he got credit for. We were we were selling we were trying to sell like raffle tickets for to make for, as a fundraiser for our bullshit hockey team door to door in my uh, grandparents neighborhood and potvin opened the door and we were like oh my god and he bought yeah. a bunch of fucking tickets and then you know i asked him for an autograph and my dad pulls out a coffee stained bill envelope and hands it to Potman to sign. <laughs> Felix Potman just looked at it. It was like, give me one second. And then he went in and he got some like proper, like signature yeah. maple leaf, like pair like of eight by ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, dad. <laughs> Ken Moses, another classic Ken Moses moment. Man, no, I love Felix Potman. You know what? He was pretty young when he played for the Leafs when they had that. He was, yeah. I don't know if he was a rookie. He, he was pretty young when they had that, that wicked run in 92, 93. Yeah. Um, I remember that was the only Leaf game, the only NHL game I ever got to go to was during that season. Oh, wow. Potvin wasn't playing, though. It was Damian Rhodes was in net. It was untelevised at Maple Leaf Gardens against the Edmonton Oilers. Bill Ranford net. Leafs win 5-2. Fucking greatest to see that team during – like, that's my favorite Leaf team ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember sleeping outside of the gardens to get playoff tickets that year. And then, as as like, you know, fucking young teenagers – and then you found out, like, how many years later that you could have just fucked a guy <laughs> at Maple Leaf no, Gardens? What happened was I did fuck a guy, and he had nothing to do with the tickets at all. It was just <laughs> that's, that's just what Church and Jarvis is. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, great scrap, great, great popping moment, great, great moment in uh, in Leaf folklore. Absolutely. All right, what do you think? Let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this episode. Let's do it up. All right, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fight Stories. I'm Tyler Morrison here with John Moses and our guest Eric Uch. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Uh, if you, if you're unfamiliar with Eric, he is a four-time Muay Thai world champion and uh, also former MMA fighter and bodyguard to the stars. <laughs> As we were talking about Man, a little bit a- before the. Dude, there is a lot to get into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been around the block a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. So, Eric, first of all, you're from PA. What part of PA? Uh, I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown. Allentown. Yeah. I know Scranton's pretty pretty scrappy, but I'm, I'm assuming Allentown's probably the same way. Yeah. Allentown. Probably, yeah, rougher than Scranton, probably. Really? You know? Yeah, rougher. Yeah, well, Easton had Larry Holmes though, with a world heavyweight champion. Right. Larry Holmes is Easton. Reading, like, I'm in, like, in the middle of Reading, Pennsylvania. We had Kermit Hitchon and other fighters from there, a lot of big names. Yeah, Travis, nice. uh, you know, a lot of heavyweights and uh, middleweights came from Reading. And we had Larry Holmes. I think he was the longest running heavyweight champion ever, if I remember right. Yeah, I did a comedy show in Larry Holmes Restaurant, and uh, he requested that I not do it there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I applaud. (laughs) That's a request you take seriously. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I probably just made like some offhand joke about him, like it, it, you know, up front, you know, like a Larry Holmes joke, and it was probably not flying there. Like you don't, know, you don't come in here taking a swipe at the crown, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like Larry. Or if you mention Mike Tyson, gets all sad too. Oh really? So oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's, he's sad about Tyson. Yeah, that's funny. So, um, Allentown, Pennsylvania. These like, I, when I think of Pennsylvania, like outside of Philly, I even think of Philly, even though it's a big town, as like a real blue collar, big city. But PA is like a pretty gritty blue collar, like you know, sort of the state over. I mean, I guess that's probably most states once you get away from the city. But I feel like that sort of stuff contributes to you know creating tough guys you know i i missed that you froze up yeah no i was just saying like i, I when i think of like pennsylvania like I, I really think of like you know a lot of blue collar industrial type of places you know yeah we have the bethlehem steel and all the steel mills around here and and right. I, like you were saying before about scranton and wilkesbury and stuff it's all coal, coal cracking land right so, yeah, right all, carbondale yeah so you, what you guys it? are Jersey based, correct? You guys yeah, I live in Jersey. Tyler's up in Canada. Oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's it like growing up there? Because um, I'm assuming you're getting into a, a bunch of scraps just, you know, growing up as a kid, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I was I was in a behavioral bad kid in the classroom. So I was in a classroom for kids that uh, like to reach out and touch other kids. Like not, not, not in a kid touching way but in like a punching and kicking way yeah. so they, they took me away from the other kids right early on in my career i guess of school they put me in a room with a bunch of other kids that like to to punch and kick each other too so i grew up i was in that classroom from uh man from uh first grade to uh ninth or tenth grade with the same six or seven guys girls oh, shit. Wow. yeah it was all all the breakfast yeah. club <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> they definitely didn't look like Molly Ringwald in there, though. Yeah. <laughs> Molly Ringworm, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was it was definitely uh I mean, I still talk to a couple of those kids in that class. I just seen some of them earlier for dinner. Really, yeah, you know, you get in a real night uh, when you're in a class like that. You get real close and uh, I bet. knit. You know? You know, everyone comes from different different messed up backgrounds. Like for me, I, I was just, my, my parents are like Sarah playing tall, like all normal dudes, and I'm all tattooed on. You know, I'm tattooed everywhere. I'm on I'm on radio. You can't see, but head to toe. Yeah, and I, I, I like ninety percent tattooed. I mean, if you see my parents, they look like you know, like Mister Rogers and his wife. So I don't know what the hell. <laughs> did you have like Did you have like six brothers and sisters or something like? Oh, I, I have one one sister and she's normal too. Like I'm the only one in my family tattooed. I'm the only one in my family that, that likes like that fault and, and crazy. Yeah, like I guess violent tendencies, you know. Yeah. And then you know. Your dad never had any pointers for you growing up in the in the fight department when you were a kid. Oh, oh no, no. My, my dad definitely wasn't a fighter. I never I never seen my dad smoke, drink, or curse. And I, I'm, I'm just, I just turned. Uh, 40, 41 years old, and I, st I never heard him do any of those things. Wow. You know? Yeah, it was, it was really weird I ended up like this. You know, maybe it was a mix-up at the hospital. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it sounds like uh, maybe it was a bit of a product of your environment outside of the house, you know? Uh, possibility, yeah. 
you know. You get put into the mix with with uh, six other kids that kind of come from a little bit of trouble too, right? That probably right. wears off on you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was always really into like uh, like kung fu theater and then like you know like boxing shows and really big into professional wrestling when I was a kid. You know, I even had and Pennsylvania was really big. Again, the Rock comes from here and Jimmy right, Snuka's right. from here. And the Samoan brothers. You know, they like they have a rest, a big, huge wrestling training center in my town, where where all those guys came from, actually. So like it's in Allentown. Blue. I wasn't sure if that was in Scranton or Allentown. It's Allentown. No, that was that's in Allentown. The, the Wild Samoan Pro Wrestling Training Center, where off off of the Wild Samoan, right? He he, uh, Padisa came from here. I, I forget his first name. I think it's Chris Padisa or something like that. I don't know. All the you know the WWF or WWE used to have their uh, headquarters here, like for filming. So all the wrestlers yeah. would come here and, and film all the time also. Dude, I so, remember yeah, actually uh, seeing like a Wilkes-Barre, like in my mind now, I'm seeing like an old, like, you know, out of Wilkes-Barre, like you'd see like an old WWF, like fight card from like the early 1980s. Oh, yeah, an agricultural hall also. And Jimmy right. Snooker killed his, Jimmy Snooker killed his wife or girlfriend here. Uh, wow. Right, right. Now, now it's, uh, it's um, Home Depot, but it was a hotel. And yeah. Slapped her a good one, and she hit her head. Wow. <laughs> he went Did they to put re- that on the water tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Home but, of uh, Jimmy Snooker's murder. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Allentown. <laughs> Billy Joel wrote a song about here. Hey, we're famous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh man. Well, that's yeah. So that's an interesting kind of like place to to come out of to evolve out of as a fighter do you did you start fighting in high school was like kind of street fights or schoolyard kind of appointment I, mean, I, I started fighting already uh on the pro playground in like first second grade especially okay. being in that class and it was the 80s you know like you, other kids would make fun of you and then you know you're already violent and then people make it funny so you just duke it out on the playground you know and, to, and then you know, i've always been fighting you know then I, you know, got in some trouble and had to go to a, 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 like a school in the summertime in Boston. They sent me to Boston for a behavioral bad school. And then, you know, I just, uh, my parents put me in karate when I was young and trying to figure it out a way to get out of it. Yeah. And I just went to school and pounded on, pounded on. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, check out the no, school. The school called up. It was like, this is not a good idea. So then that was my, the end of my karate uh, career. I only got to a yellow belt. So. And then, um, yeah, w- w- uh, one day I was in gym class running my mouth. This had to be like 11th grade, you know, and uh, I seen a couple of the ultimate fighters, you know, you got, you guys probably familiar with it, if, if not on the radio, like Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock, all these guys were starting out there. Mm-hmm. And it must be like UFC three or four. And, it, and then I was like, there's no fucking way this, this small ass dude's beating up all these big dudes like all my I, I used to think point. the same thing man watching that stuff I was I, just like this I, I actually awesome. I actually lived I lived with Hoist for a week he's wow. not that small of a dude right. he actually's a, a big I mean those guys are way bigger because they're just giants but right Hoist he's is like probably six like two. six foot 185 pounds or something right yeah he, he was he was six two and he was probably like one 180 yeah right. at that point because you know so he, he was taller than me, but uh, and bigger than me at this point in my, my career when I met him, because I was I was probably walking around at a buck seventy at this point. I'm six foot, 
So right. he was bigger than me. I was like, man, he ain't really that small. Yeah. You can't, you can't imagine how big the other guys must have really been, you know? Right, right. It's just but, those guys are like heavyweights and super heavyweights. Yeah. So I was basically running my mouth about him not being able to do what he was doing. And this kid in my gym class was friends with his uh, cousin, Henzo. And he's like, yo, if you want to you wanna come try out your big mouth, like, meet us here at this, this gym. So I, I forget if I rode my bike or if my mom dropped me off. I didn't drive to a little lady. <laughs> that is hilarious, dude. <laughs> I and hope I walked, your mom dropped you off. <laughs> what are I the walked, odds? I walked on in and I, I challenged Hendra Gracie. I was like, yo, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm, and he's like, you don't want to fight me and my friend. He's like, you want to fight my little buddy? And I looked right at him. I was like, I'm going to beat up your little buddy, then I'm going to beat up you. He's like, okay. But my little buddy first. And his little buddy tied me up in a pretzel <laughs> in numerous ways. And then I was sitting there on the end of the mat. I'm like, how is this possible? So frustrated? <laughs> oh, frustrated. You know, like going in there thinking, you know, being up everyone at school and having a good, you know, good reputation. And this small ass dude just ties you in a pretzel. And then Henzo comes over, super nice guy. And a friend of my pre-read today, you know, Henzo's, every interview I ever do, I always thank Henzo. So there was my thanks to him. He's a great hearted guy. He just came over and sat next to me and was like, what do you think about jujitsu? And I was like, this is great. I'm like thinking in my mind, if I'm this size, and this kid's this size and beat up me, picture with the kind of guys I could beat up being my size. So I'm like, I want to learn this. I started training every day. So walking into this place, you've got no training. Just just street brawls. Just, just street, street brawls. It's like a tough, yeah, just a tough man competition. You know, some older kid. I would hang out with older kids and they would, beat me up every now and then you know and i beat up kids in the neighborhood you know fighting with kids and i just went and challenged the gracies yeah <laughs> what a huge yeah. step up who sees yeah. who sees those those guys beating people up in the usc and go this can't be real me a 17 year old kid is gonna go straight <laughs> out the record <laughs> that's awesome it's insane it's what it is but what are the I odds got, that, that, i got in line i got in line for brain uh for balls twice i must miss the brain section of the, <laughs> the yeah. and what are the odds that one of the gracie's friends is in school with you yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. like calls you out like how many times are kids you know people just talking shit like ah, i could beat you know i could beat up uh whoever, you know, in the, in the UFC. And then actually that's my, uh, my uncle or my friend. And then yeah, it, it's actually uh, weird, uh, funny, actually. Uh, Hoist married uh, this girl, Marianne, and she lives in my, uh, was from my town. She was from Easton actually. Okay. So uh, a whole bunch of Hoist's family members are from my town, but the kid I met was uh, actually knew uh, Henzo Gracie. So he knew Hoist's cousin. Yeah, yeah. The, the Gracie's were in Jersey at first. They were, uh, I forget the name of the town, but they were teaching out of a, a Gold's Gym. And then they went to Manhattan and they were t teaching out of Chow's, Chow's uh, in, um, I think it was like 50, 54th Street in uh, Manhattan. And then it just moved around. Now he has a huge facility. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, there's, there's a there's a Henzo Gracie gym right around the, the corner from me. Yeah, that now he has a chain. Yeah, this yeah, is back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. He actually taught all the class. Now you go to a Henzo gym, you never see him. When right. I, when I when I went, he was teaching every class. Right. Know? So right. this is like not ninety eight, probably not ninety eight, ninety nine. And that know? is, I mean, I don't know if I heard it on the podcast, but um, you know, we had another guy uh, on here, a comic who did some uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu again early, like late nineties, two thousands, and it was like people were constantly challenging. Like, yeah, I, I, I saw a bunch of challenges. 
Yeah, I fought a bunch of challenge fights as I got better for those guys. In my town, we had a Gracie gym, and the karate guys would come in, our boxers would come in, doing the same thing I did. And I was the guy, like, oh, you want to want to fight my little friend? He's fight my friend. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was the friend, you know? How did that feel? How did that feel when you, you're you now the guy that they're fighting, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to go bad, yeah, you know? It is going to go bad. I mean, but back then, it was it was, it was was different. It isn't like today. You couldn't you couldn't do what we did back then today, because everyone's yeah. it's mixed martial arts more. Like everyone has wrestling. Everyone has boxing. Everyone knows an arm bar or like back then it was literally like Bruce Leroy versus Hulk Hogan, you know, or, or Mr. T, Mr. Yeah. T versus Thunderlips, you know, like in the Rocky movie. That's yeah. all it really was. That's so, what's really, that's what's really interesting on. about the uh, genesis of mixed martial arts is really not, it's as much about the, the different fighters coming in and fighting each other as it is the styles, um, figuring out what, what's the supreme style, right? And then the right. blend yeah. of, Taking a little here, taking a little there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, back then it was, you know, it was it was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and then you know when the wrestling came in, like when the uh, what would it, well, Greco-Roman wrestling came in, really changed the game, mm-hmm. you know. But that back then it would be common to watch those fights and see someone jump up and fall on their back on purpose, taking the guy down because they had no takedowns before the wrestling got involved. Now mm-hmm. you don't want to be on your back. You're on your back now. You're going to get pounded out real easily. You know, so the, the, everything changed in a very, very uh, short period of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy. So, it's only been twenty years, and like how fast this has all come together. You know. Yeah, and then you know, it went from Americans not doing that good to with at least with MMA wise, Americans are probably on top of you know in right. that sport. I mean, we 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 haven't caught up in kickboxing. Kickboxing, we're still slacking, and there's a bunch of other countries you know, they're doing a lot better than us. But we're, we, we caught up with Joe Schilling has had the Glory World Championship for a while, and Kevin Ross is uh, doing really well. There's a bunch yeah, of other Voss. fighters in America doing good. Yeah, all those, but we have us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you no, no, I was just thinking, so you go in there, you start doing jiu-jitsu for a little while, and yeah. at what, like, how many years did that happen before you start moving over to Muay Thai? Because that's what you I, I moved, that's your shit. I moved, yeah, Muay is where I, I spent my most of my career, like like ninety seven percent of my career was in Muay Thai and in uh, Dutch kickboxing. Uh, I switched over pr- pretty much early because I was fighting all the time. Uh, Dan Dan from the UFC, Big Dan, he had a, a league in Jersey in um, what was it called um, Elizabeth, New Jersey. He would do this show called Bama, Bayside Academy of Martial Arts, where he would do no rules fighting. So I would go, I would go in, and we would, we would match up by like height. You know, there was no scare or nothing. It was like tough man competitions. So I would go and I would fight, and the guy, the one guy outweighed me by like 70, 80 pounds. So I finally got him to the ground, and I armbarred him, and they're raising my hand like I won, but my face is all beaten. I'm looking over, like what the fuck? I'm win, I'm winning these fights, but it looks like I'm losing. And a couple of days later, I really look like I'm losing. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I, bought this, I bought this grappling magazine and Melcher Maynor, he was the world champion at the time in, a, in America. He, he was an old K1 fighter, K1 Max fighter, actually. Uh-huh. And then it said, would you like to be a world champion from your home? I'm like, damn, this is great. I don't have to leave my house. So I bought these home videos and I started watching these videos and practicing with my buddy. He would kick me and I would kick him. He'd be like, did that hurt? I was like, yeah, that hurt. He's like, oh, I must be doing it right. <laughs> so then you know, there was this kickboxing gym in my town. So I went down there and I was like, you know, I was still a kid. I was still in high school and I really didn't have that much money. 
at this point, my parents were already, like, my parents were separated and stuff. So um, at this point, and um, I just said to the guy, how much to kick your bag? I want to pay monthly just to come in and work stuff off the bag. And he's like, oh, $20. So then, you know, working his stuff off the bag. And the guy's trying to hustle me in. Like, he's like, yo, man, like, what you're doing is wrong. And I'm like, for real? Like, I'm watching these videos. He's like, nah, you want to sign up and you want to take some classes. So me being a street king and an already ballsy kid, I flip over the video and there's a phone number on the back of it to call for the, to order the video. So I call this phone number up and then I said, hello, uh, my name is Eric Gutsch. I'm Henzo Gracie's manager. I would really like to get Melcher and Henzo together to get ready to fight for pride. So Melcher called me back like 15, 20 minutes later, him personally. And then he's like, hello. And I was like, yeah, my name is Eric Gutsch. I bought your videos. This guy in my town says they're full of shit. I want my hundred dollars back. And then Melcher was like, I guarantee everything on my videos. And then I was just like, well, we have a problem here. How can we solve this problem? He's like, well, I do seminars and this and that. So I bring him in for a seminar. And then this guy from my town totally punks out, doesn't want to like say to him to his face that like, their videos are shit. Yeah. So we train together for like the day or whatever. So then I'm, dr I'm driving him, I drop him off the airport. And I was like, hey, man, you know, thank you for doing this for me and whatever. I was like, if you ever need a favor, give me a call. So then a couple, a couple, maybe a month or so, two months goes by. I get a phone call from Mel and he's just like, Hey, what's up? And I was like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, remember when you said, uh, if I ever need a favor to give you a phone call, I said, yeah. I was like, what do you need? Like 20 bucks, like 30 bucks. Like, what's up on me? And he was just like, no, I need a fighter. And I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know any kickboxers. Uh, you know, I do, I do like MMA stuff. It's like, no, I, I want you. And then I was like, man, like my word's good, you know, because I'm a street kid, so you have to have a good word. So I was like, all right, man. So first time I ever leave, leave like Pennsylvania, basically. The first time I ever been on an airplane, I fly all the way out to San Diego. I meet up with Mel. We're hanging out. We're, we're, we're training a little bit. He's like, yo, where am I fighting? He's like, oh, you're fighting in L.A. So I'm like, cool. I've never been to L.A. in my life. We get in the car. We start driving to L.A. from San Diego. Yeah. So I start seeing all these signs for Compton. And I was like, Compton. I was like, the only thing I know about Compton is like Boys in the Hood, like Friday. I'm like, yeah, like, what the fuck is good. going on? <laughs> nothing good. You know, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I was like, yo, man, I thought we're going to uh, Hollywood. He's like, no, Hollywood Park Casinos. It's in Compton. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm getting like murdered. <laughs> so they bring us in the back, the back of this, 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 uh, it's a horse track. That's what it is, like a big horse thing. They bring us in the back. So I never realized how big it was. So I'm back there again, my hands wrapped, getting all ready for my first fight. And Boss Rutan's there. I don't, you guys are familiar with fighters. You do a fight show. Yeah, yeah, Boss yeah. Rutan's there. Quentin Jackson's there. Pedro yeah, Hizzo, yeah. like all these big names for the UFC. And Boss comes up and my, my manager, like my Melcher's wrapping my hands. Like, oh, Boss Rutan's right behind you. You can't even watch you fight. I'm like, yeah, like Boss Rutan's going to come uh, see me. And I stood up and I turned. Me and Boss are face to face. And I literally looked at the ground. Like this dude punked me out like so bad. I look him in the face again and I get punked out already. I'm getting mad at myself. I'm like, why is this guy is a horror? Boss is a great dude. We became friends uh, afterwards, you know, like years later. And uh, I'm really good friends with uh, one of his best fighters, if not his best fighter, Dwayne Logan, a really good friend of mine. But um, yeah, he kept punking me out. and I, I, I was so nervous for his fight. So I'm used to like doing these MMA shows in my town, in Jersey maybe like a hundred people maybe yeah. you know i stopped playing for the high school so they open up these curtains there's like five thousand people there to watch wow. me get mad. so i get all there i start running like the ultimate warrior <laughs> <into> the <ring. laughs> 
I, fucking, <laughs> I slid in under the ring. Everyone's booing me. It's totally disrespectful in Thai boxing to go under the ropes or in between the ropes. Well, if you ever watch Thai boxing, you, you always go over the ropes because you're, you're supposed to be godly. So anything godly doesn't go under. It always goes over. Oh, so the whole, shit. Oh, like, like 5,000 people are booing me now. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? So then I go out and I start swinging on this guy. We're swinging back and forth, swinging back and forth. And then I come, the bell rings. I go back and my eyes are everywhere. I'm looking at Boston. Looking at me. All these people are looking at me. And I was like, yo, man, I made the wrong decision on this one. Mel <laughs> talks to me, calms me down, says, relax. And I just focused on his voice. I go at the next round. Boom, I hit this dude and I knocked him out. Stiff, like arms in the air, feet in the air, like stiff, like a dog. Oh, you know, when they get with a dog, a car. And I looked over at Mel and I was like, yo, I'm not going back. And he's like, what do you mean you're not going back? I was like, I, I love this. Rush here is way better than MMA. I'm going to stay back. <laughs> right. So then MMA, MMA blows up and those guys are making millions of dollars and I'm, I'm still working. I'm still working on Wawa. So you know, where, wherever I am, where, wherever I am, there'll be no money. Just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's going to be pretty crazy having all those like legends so, in the but, front row and coming into that adrenaline also, rush. 5, that fight, people. that fight, you're not really fighting. You're fighting um, a Muay Thai fight with Muay Thai rules, but you haven't really trained for it, right? Up until that yeah, point. Yeah. I mean, I trained off of home videos, Melcher's oh, home right. videos. He had, he had three videos at the time. I met him one time in person to go over what went on the video. And I seen him for uh, four or five days before the fight. So all I was doing Holy at home was hitting fuck, back. Dude, you are the best living testament for that video. <laughs> you, go, <laughs> you go from the couch to watching this guy's videos to five days of training to winning a fucking fight in front of 5,000 people, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my whole career was crazy like that. Because, I, lived, you know, you're from the East Coast, so you understand these areas. Like, I live in a rural area. It wasn't like it was, like, famous spotters or – or Muay Thai gyms everywhere, like especially in this time period, like this is right, right. Twenty years ago, it was you know. Yeah, this is yeah, this is like not, I, by the time I started Thai boxing, it's like two thousand. So yeah, exactly like what 20, 21, 20 years ago or so, twenty one years ago, I don't know, a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was nothing around here. You know, you you got like maybe American karate or Taekwondo. Yep. So yep. you know, yeah, I had nowhere to spar. I had to go. I thought I went to Holmes's gym because I would go to Larry's gym once I started deciding to be a Thai boxer. I was like, "Well, I have, at least it's boxing. At least I'm getting right. my hands better." At least you go to right, Larry's right gym. Half of it. Yeah, and then, but then you know, if you if you're a, a white dude in the boxing world and you suck, it's very hard because it, you know it, you're in the hood gyms and they usually don't like the the pale ass white dude. So you're right. always you get you know they're like calling me Pinky. They're like kill Pinky, <laughs> you know. But then I went to Marshall Kaufman's gym after that, and it was really good, you know, a uh, different mix. Yeah. You know, did, you feel, did you feel that it set you back a bit training in those in those gyms that where you weren't? Um, no, really it, it, it's like it's like a it's like a you know it's like a fish in a big pond, like a swim or, or sink. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it would set me back. I don't think I, I, I you learn you learn quick, you know, like you know, you have five or six fights, and the other guy has forty fights you're going to learn to move your head really quick or you're going to get knocked the fuck out, you know? Yeah. It's just like life, you know? I, I never had, I always grabbed the shitty end of the stick and worked my way up. I never started off like at top. Yeah. You know, I may, I, I didn't, I, I was a big mouth kid in Muay Thai 
and I was helping a guy out that needed a hand and I just climbed up to, for some reason I step in shit and I always end up with the shiny new shoes, you know, it's just how, how my, my, my life just ended up, you know? So, so. what happens? Um, you go, you, you fight that fight. You say, I'm never going back. Dude. Yeah, and then then me and Mel were together. Me and Mel were together for like four or five fights after that, you know. Right. And then um, uh, I lose to this guy Josh Aragon, who's still fighting, who's doing a really good name, but we're amateurs at this time. Uh-huh. I lose to Josh Aragon, and then I lose in uh, St. Paul. They flew me to St. Paul, Minnesota, and I, I lost a, a hometown. I lost to a hometown guy, you know. Like the fight was really close. It could have went either way. They gave it to the hometown guy. So Mel was just basically kind of mad. You know, I lost two times. So he's like, hey, you know, maybe we should separate ways. And there's another another thai, uh, thai boxer named Koban, Luksai Mai Mei Tong. He was a real famous Thai guy who was living in uh, Windale, New York, you know. It's kind of up by the Catskills. So, yeah. you know, I was all going to Catskills. You know, that's where Tyson came from and mm-hmm. different guys like that. So I was like, oh, this is cool. So I went to Windale, New York. Did for a couple years. Uh, go there for that reason because Tyson came out of Catskills, or he just happened to get a chance. No, he, he was a he was a Thai guy, and some girl some girl married him, and he got a visa, and he was living there. <laughs> like, <laughs> he definitely did not want to, like they, uh, Thais call uh, American fighters for longs, like foreigners, like white guys. He definitely didn't want to teach a bunch of for longs on a Thai box, you know. Right. He wanted right. to drink like he wanted to drink cheap beer and hang out in the woods, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His wife looked at it like a way to make money off his name or, or whatever. So uh, after after a couple phone calls and, you know, talking to her and whatever, I went up there and I trained with Koban for um, maybe a year or so. Then I, I kept moving around, kept looking for better things. I was in Manhattan with Phil Nurse for a while. I, I went to Master Toddy's gym in Las Vegas. That's where Kevin Ross is from and a lot of other big names. Gina, Gina Carano was from there. Gina was there at the time. Um, and then I, I went to American Top Team right when they opened up because uh, Saka Sam Fairtex was there. So this, and then eventually Fair, I went to Fairtex itself in San Francisco and, they, and I tried out the, for their fight team the first time. I didn't do that well. Ryan Roy actually split my eye open and I had to go get stitches. So it wasn't a fun trip. And then I went back again and I did a little bit better than uh, – I just became friends with the the one girl who I thought was the janitor. I thought she was the janitor's daughter. You know, she was always sitting there in the front of the building, not really doing nothing. It ended up she was the the owner of the whole company's daughter. And we, uh, she just took a, a friend to me, and then she's like, "You want to be on on this fight team?" And I was like, "I don't think they want me that much." She's like, "It doesn't matter what they want; it's matter what I want." And she's like, "You know who my father is?" I'm like, "Yeah, like Uncle the janitor, right?" And she's like, "No, my father's like still fucking wrong. The guy who owns this whole company." I was like, "Oh shit!" You stepped in it it again, dude. You stepped in it again. Stepped in in it again. Then she just hands hands me this fucking goodie bag full of gloves and shin guards and everything I needed to train. And she's like, "I want you to keep coming back." And at the time, I was working at a Wawa. You guys know because it's on the East Coast, but it's like a Seven Eleven for Wawa. it's a 7-Eleven for like other listeners on other areas that don't know what it is. Right. And there you go. My boss, my boss better, was like, you get fresh sandwiches. There we go. 7-Eleven yeah. with fresh sandwiches. <laughs> don't, don't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sheets is better. I like sheets better. Even though I was at Wawa for years. Oh, but, yeah, uh, that's like a true PA guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like my boss was super cool at this, at this Wawa. And then, 
back then you could leave, you know, st for stress, for family. So she'd just write up all these different things on the computer. So every, every, every month, uh, every other month I would leave like, oh, he seems very stressed out. He needs to like take a break. And this, and I'll just go to Fairtex all the time and train and get better and better and better and better and better. That's awesome. And I started yeah. fighting everywhere all over the world. It just, you know, Fairtex was a great company with me and, and Johnson on, uh, the wooden man Fairtex was my trainer at the time. He took really good care of me and picked the right opponents and everything, you know. And, and so you start, you start climbing the ranks then. When's the first time you like get a championship fight then? How, how soon into it is it? Well, it was, it was, it was, my first championship fight was still with my original trainer, Meltra Maynor. It was okay. probably like a, a year into it, maybe a, a year or so. It was early on. Is it? They they knew I'd, I I wouldn't say no to anybody. They're like, hey, you want to fight this guy? He has a hundred fights. I'm like, yeah, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Even like I was saying, like one of the times with Mel in the car, I was fighting this guy with a lot of fights. And then uh, he's like, hey, are you nervous? And I said, no. He's like, how 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 can you not be nervous? And I'm not kind of like your 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 friend was saying about coming from the street. I was like, I ain't gonna get stabbed. I ain't gonna get shot. If I'm getting my ass kicked that bad, the referee's gonna stop it. I was like, his corner man ain't going to jump in the ring and hit me with the stool. I was like, what do I really have to be scared of? And Mel just looked at me. He's like, looked at his wife. He's like, what the fuck did this guy go through in his life? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I, I really ain't scared of no man with two hands and two feet. I have two hands and two feet. And it's like, yeah. you know, Especially if there's a referee whoever, in front of you, like you said. Yeah, referee is stopped. Come on. Right. They, they say, like, oh, it's as real as he gets. As real as it gets, he can bring 20 with his friends. You know, because right. that's reality. That's reality for me. You know, reality is getting stabbed or reality is watch, watching your friend get stabbed. That's reality. Mm -hmm. so how I grew up anyway. You know, I grew up in the punk rock and hardcore scene. You know, yeah. you, you, know you, you, you go see a Murphy's Law show, you have a good time. You go see AF or, or Madball, you might have a bad night. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, where you get blood for blood and all these different bands get you all riled up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those, all like those Agnostic Front and the, all those concerts seem like they're very violent. Just... Just for and that's having fun. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's how I grew up. I grew up in the mosh yeah. pit. I grew, up, I grew up going to shows, and sometimes like you know you, you bump in, you you know you, you bump into skinheads and they beat you up. You bump into people. You try leaving the show. You try leaving the show, and then you bump into hood people that think you're skinheads and they beat you up. You, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just it's just urban urban life. You know, you got you know. Like mm -hmm. Mike Biohazard, Mike Biohazard said, it's five blocks to the subway, but it might be a long five blocks. Yeah, you know. It's in your experience coming from from this sort of uh, culture and scene, what is there any uh, particular incidents that stand out? Any stories from from uh, like fight stories from back then? Rock shows, uh, show stories. Yeah. Yeah, just or like or just fights that you were in that were. You know, outside of uh, the ring, that that were kind of. I've been, I've been. What I went to see Blood for Blood play. I think it was in uh, Quaker Town or or uh, maybe North Jersey. And that that whole shim broke out, broke out in a full blown riot. It was like 80 people back and forth on each other. You know, <laughs> there's many, many nights when you go to those shows and it broke out in riots. You know, mm -hmm. it, it depends on what you know. So, like there's a T-shirt that says, uh, I, "I went, I went to go, I went to a riot, and a Blood for Blood concert broke out." You know. <laughs> I wonder if you can Google so, any Blood for Blood shows that shows like riots from. Oh, shows. they have a, they have a whole. I forget the documentary they have. They have a whole documentary of people getting knocked out at their shows. 
Jesus oh, man. Like, was oh, it, oh, they, that could never happen now either because it's like liability insurance would be through the fucking roof. Oh, yeah. You know, get sued, I mean, you know? I... I'm surprised. I'm surprised those people don't go back now and try. You know, me too. The me too error comes to sue people. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah I got knocked out Everyone, oh, I got knocked out 20 years ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hunt these people down and then sue yeah. them now. It's, it's so horrible. It's so horrible. Like they take the fun out of things. Mm-hmm. Like my butt. My like my buddy was just telling me about his kid being in the school. And we're in a nice area right here. You know, we're not in a better. He's like, there's a cop on every every every, every hallway. And I was like, man, if we got away with the things that we did when we were in school, we he's like, we wouldn't let you be allowed in. We'd be yeah. expelled by the first yeah. day. You know, they, they probably don't even have a program like they had for me anymore. With walk you right out I, the door, I, it, kitty cuffs. Yeah, I probably would have to learn from school like this cyber thing, so I couldn't I couldn't hit nobody enough like yeah. that. <laughs> it's all the fun out of school, you know. Very true. So when you finally do end up in winning your first um, championship, can you tell us about that fight? What was that? Yeah, like? I, I fought this guy. I fought this guy, Eric Guerrero, and, and like he had like 16, 17 more fights than me. And then you know he he didn't train though. I found out prior. I mean, like years later, he thought, oh, this guy only has a, a handful of fights. Like I, I really don't need to train. He was lazy, and I was training really hard. I was, you know, running all the time, hitting the bag, doing everything properly. And I just basically, I, I punched him in the, uh, Cecil People was my referee too. Uh, he was a famous referee. I don't know if you guys know Cecil. But uh, I, I punch him in the stomach in, in the first round and he grabs his cup. He's like, he keeps hitting me in the cup. And Cecil People's like, no, he's not. I just keep going. And I need him a couple of times. <laughs> and then in the, the, the second round, I, I punch him in the stomach and he, he sat he sat down on the ground like, like a little kid. He sat in the middle of the ring. And Cecil started counting. He's like, get up. Because he talks all Southern. He's like, Get up, you pussy! I still remember him. I'm like, I don't think a referee is supposed to talk like that. But he was like, "Nah, he's like, give me a mock cup. You don't see it." He's like, "I've seen it. Get up, you pussy!" And then, uh, that was my. Uh, that was my first. He was voted the worst referee in history. Actually, I think that's what happened. To Get the sounds like the guy. He sounds like the best, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like he should be on our podcast too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard nothing about him for years. He was really old back then, so I don't know if he's even still alive. But oh no! All right, yeah. uh, respect Cecil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I was my first world title, and then you know, all, all the world title fights weren't that bad. They were really professional, you know. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, so Andres Gall, Andres Gall was probably my hardest fight. I fought him in Friday Night Fights in New York City. He was this Russian cat. All the Russian guys I fought. Are always like Ivan Drago, really fucking nails, dude. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even when I fought, I went all the way to Thailand to fight in the the, the IFMAs, the the world the world championships, and I ended up fighting Russians and ended up losing. Oh and shit! I, was, I can never get away from them. You know? What was like, that like? Fighting that like going over there, going over there and fighting. Oh, Thailand! Thailand was crazy, man. I, I get off the airplane. It's it's different. You know how we have cities here and they have a hustle. It's more like guns and stuff like that. O- yeah. Over in Asia and other countries like that, they have a hustle, but it's being nice. They, like, oh, I, I carried your bag for you and I hold your hand out. Like, oh, please, I'm so hungry. And they're always getting you. They're always getting you, but it isn't like a violent way or a threatening way. Right. So, oh, I walked your bag. Oh, let me carry your bag, you know? And they always want tips and this and that. But man, as soon as you get off the airplane, you see fish, uh, fish fights. You see dog fights. In Thailand, they fight everything. Wow! The first time I ever seen fish. 
you know, you, you go to the the, the, the what store. Fish like fight. The, what do you mean? The, they, they take they take uh, red devils. There's fish called red devils. They have a horns. Yeah. So they put them in the same fish tank, and if they see each other, they'll go at each other. So they put a piece <laughs> of card, they put a piece of cardboard in the tank, so they don't see each other. So there'll be a blue one and a red one. So everyone's betting. They're like, "Oh, red fish, red fish is gonna All win." Right. You know, ten bot, ten bot, and everyone's blue fish. And they get the bets up, maybe like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, and then they pull the thing out. The two fish see each other, and they just slam into each other until until one fish passes away, and then it'll wow. to the top, and, you, and then you get <laughs> put the cardboard in and put back. Same with chickens. They, they, they yeah. would, when I fought in Thailand, you, you'd, they'd fight people, then chickens, then people, then dogs. I mean, it was crazy. That's Not in the, the city. That's the card. That's fucking incredible, yeah. dude. Yeah, but this is the countryside. There's like the Burry Ram and and places like this. It, it's not Bangkok. Bangkok's you know, they fight people and you fight in Lupini or Rajadam. Right. I, I fought in uh, I fought in this place called Fashion Island. So it was like, uh, uh, if you went to like the Mall of America, they would have a ring there and they would have foreigners fighting the ring all the time. Oh and, um, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't really like top ties. It was like top foreigner or foreigners that thought they were good. So you'd go fight in Fashion Island for this IFMA. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, Thailand. Yeah. So when you first seen chicken fights too, I seen chicken fights in Thailand. <laughs> Dude, that, that <laughs> must have time. been such a such a head trip. You get off and they're fighting fish. You're like, what the? What yeah, they're fighting fish at, outside the airport. Outside the airport, they were fighting fish at this time. But you know, I don't know how it is anymore. But this this is going back. I fought. I fought. You no know, early. Oh, 03, I must have been there. Oh, 03 yeah. fighting. Yeah. I, I, I went, uh, I, stayed, I stayed for six months at that time. I think I went um, two or three times. I lived in uh, Holland, too, Iceland. I lived in Iceland and England, Japan. Japan was nice. Yeah. In but Thailand, no. in Thailand, what, because it's kind of, it seems very lawless over there. I mean, there is laws, but it's, it just seems, seems like a wild culture. Is, despite being as tough as you were and, and, being able to handle yourself, did you ever find yourself in situations where you felt like you were in legit danger because of the uh, people that were around? Oh, did it freeze? Yeah. All right. Coming back. Yep. We lost it. Might have to send him another invite. He's probably fighting his manager right now. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, I just took it. I took out my recorder and just recorded, uh, part of my stuff anyway. Yeah, in case okay. the audio isn't good, then we have a better audio recording. Yeah. We'll see. He's a beauty. Yeah, he's great. We'll talk to him a bit about the bodyguard stuff. Yeah. And then...
There we go. Yeah, this new mic, it just takes like a little while to install on here. Okay. So I can either have the mic or the video or the high high def video, but this was getting, the mic was going to take too long to set okay. up. The video looks better. I'm just going to go by a new rinky dinky before. What's that? The video looks better now. You're looking a little rinky dink before. Yeah, yeah, the fucking video is worse. Or it's good now, but it, it was worse for sure. I'm just going to go buy a new laptop. Oh, here, Fuck he is. It. here he is. Oh, Daddy Roland. Just going by a new laptop, huh? Oh, this one's toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. hey, all right, all right. right on. So I'll just I'll just say what I say what I was saying in case it cut off um while you're there. But I was just asking you, um uh when you're fighting over in Thailand, because it is kind of uh you know, crazy environment, a little bit different than what we're used to. Even though you're as tough as you are in fighting, wait, wait, um, hold on, before you get there, what is it like over there? Like, cause is it like, is it lawless or is it like super respectful yeah. and everybody's quiet? It's you know, it's Asian culture. It was, it was, everyone's really nice to each other that I that I've seen. You know, okay. and, man, I mean, I, I, I ain't seen no street fights or nothing like that. You know, everyone's right. everyone's a Buddhist, so so it's different. You know, everyone, they believe in Buddha and. And there's a happy, there's like, you know, what I seen, you know, and I was in the countryside, I seen the countryside, I did see the city, uh, you know, I didn't see no street violence or guns or nothing like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I was just wondering if you ever felt like there was any scenarios where you were in danger um, while you're over there just because of, you know, you got, you got, you got, I'll kick these little fuckers over a fence. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those little fuckers will knock you. you I know, know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 105 pounds and 300 fights, you know? Right, right. Jump up, spin, <laughs> kick your head off. Yeah. Yeah, like, what's, what's, oh, I can't think of his name that one. The guy from Onbot, like, Tony Jaw, Tony Jaw kicked oh, me in the yeah. head. Oh, yeah. I met Tony Jaw. He was a super nice guy. I met him at, uh, he was in New York filming some stuff. And I, I, I got to meet him because I was still the champion at the time. Oh, wow. Cool. Me and Phil Nurse. You guys probably know Phil. The people that don't know, Phil Nurse used to, teach a lot of UFC uh, fighters like George St. Pierre and them. He was all mm. their kickboxing coaches. Mm. And um, he had a gym called the Watt in New York. So I trained there for a while. But um, going back to your situation, yeah, everyone's real nice. And you got to be smart. Like you, you just, yeah, you, Wherever you are, you got to use your street smarts. Like mm -hmm. you, you don't go down shady alleys when your stomach right. tells you not to go down. You don't go right, down right. there. No matter who you are. You don't, you don't eat the food off the weird truck, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, you, you, I mean, I, I stayed away from betting. That might get you more yeah. fucked up than walking down the wrong alley, dude. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Th especially in Thailand, number one country for 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 uh, sex changes. So you have to watch who you go home with in bars. <laughs> you know, you gotta check the oil in the tank sometimes. You know. Oh yeah. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thailand, Thailand was a crazy spot. Like, I think altogether, I lived there like, like on and off. I think it was like a year and a half, maybe, yeah. maybe a year. Going back, like staying for three or four months, coming home. My favorite country, the favorite country I was in though was the Netherlands. You know, okay. I, 
I lived in Holland. I lived in Holland three months. I lived in Den Bosch uh, two months with Andy Sauer, the world champion. And I lived in this place called Hellman when uh, Dwayne Ludwig was getting ready for, I believe it was his last UFC fight. Uh, me and Ludwig went to Hellman together and we trained this gym called CSA in um, Helm, uh, Hellman, uh, different than the CSA in America. There's two different gyms with the same name. Nice. And isn't that where Boss is from too? Yeah, Boss is from um, Golden Glory originally. He was with Raymond Deckers and, and Core Hammers and all those guys. Um, I forget the name of the, name, the actual town that Bo the Golden Glory is in. I can't remember. But Nikki Holston was right by uh, us when we were in Hellman. He had a gym right down the road. Nikki Holston's also a Golden Glory fighter and was, was with the Boss team. And that's like a so that sounds like it's a pretty established culture for fighting there and, and training yeah, too, right? Like, so like uh, kickboxing's number two sport over there. So there's okay, there's okay. Uh, soccer, which they call football. And then like the next sport down, like their baseball would be kickboxing. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's cool. So it was cool. Like my whole my whole fight career, I was straight edge. So it was cool going to the bar, and then they would be playing like K one, or they'd be playing the local show from down the street. So right. it was great because I didn't drink enough in our party. Everyone's like, all the trainers over there, like Andre and all these trainers, like, oh, you come, you come to train a little bit, and there's girls and there's drugs. And I was like, I, I don't. I came here to begin the number one kickbox in the world, and they would laugh. They're like, yeah, whatever. And I'd yeah. show up every day. They're like, how long are you in the country for? I was like, oh, I'm going to be here six months. And they're like, what? Like, who comes here for six months? I was like, I want to be. A, <laughs> I want to come to the number one country in the world for kickboxing. So I came here. Yeah. It's so. So um, when you, you know, go that, over there, that's, because it's that's just... kind of wild. So you're doing all this shit as a kid, and you're not even drinking or getting or getting high. No, I was I was shoulder. I was straight I was straight edge until I retired. Wow. Close to the end of my career, I started hanging out with dancers, like strippers, and um, it just got hemmed up in the lifestyle a little bit, you know, with the with partying and the drinking. You know, it just goes hand to hand. Yeah, but when you when you were in in. Uh... The Netherlands, if it's like the second biggest sport, are you a household name over there because of your no, like, American Americans ain't looked American fighters ain't looked high upon it. It was like over okay. in there, the, the Dutch fighters were number one in kickboxing. And then it would be like Japanese and England. And then at that time, when I was there later on, uh, it, uh, Italy was really big. They had a fighter named Giorgio Perosian, who was mm -hmm. the world champion at the time. So there's and then Liam Harrison was like from England. There's a lot of big. American fighters, like the, the ones I named earlier, were like the biggest names. You got the Joe Schillings, you got the Kevin Rosses. You know, there's only a handful of guys that you were in other countries and they would know their names. Okay. Um, they, they didn't know who I was, you know. I, at one point uh, with the WBC kickboxing or Muay WBC Muay I was number one in America and 17th in the world. And my trainer said one time, the only people that matter are are the top 10 and are the top 10 who only matter is the top five. Right. You know, so if you're not the top five in the world, like no one's going to know your name. Right. 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 I mean, same with boxing, you know, there's a million boxers. How many boxers, you know, the guy number 20 in, in America, no one knows who's 20 is. They only right. know that in America, they don't even know who fucking 20 is. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so same. So, so then, so then you, so, so you start partying at the end of the career, like that must've been the nice, uh, you know, letting the valve off to <laughs> it, was a, it was a crazy crazy couple of years i guess you would say yeah so is, I, that um, how you, is that how you sort of segue into doing the security guard work 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was always in the music scene, like I was saying earlier, with, with the hardcore bands right, and stuff right. like that. So then, like, you know, as you retired, you have all this time in your hands. So then people would be like, put on the internet. At this time, the internet's here and Facebook's here and all these different things. And then people are like, put on Facebook, hey, looking for a driver. And I was like, hey, how long? Like, five weeks. I'll go with you, see the world for five weeks and just drive some bands. I, I drove, I saw how I met the, um, Old Firm Casuals, like Lars from Ranches, and this other band called Old yep. Firm Casuals. So I, I drive them all the time. They're, they're a normal band. And then I did Madball already, and I did a bunch of bands. Then you, with the girls, uh, had some friends that were connected in the porn industry, and they're like, hey, this girl's coming to your area for like two weeks, going to these strip clubs. You know, she, she's looking for someone. I can't make it. Can you make it? And they're like, yeah. And I just, you just become friends with people, you know, like the radio show or whatever. You just become friends with people. Then when that's you're awesome. in that area, they just hit you up. Now, now I'm just trying to grow that now. That's what I'm working on now is growing that. So more clients. Any, any, any fights in those situations? No, it's really weird. There's never no fight. And you have to be professional too. You, 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 like I had friends that, you know, the, they were working for rappers and the rappers were like, oh, go hit this guy, go hit this guy. Then he went, <laughs> he thought the rapper's money had his back and he hit this guy and the rapper left him go and he got sued for lots of money and oh, he didn't have it. so yeah you know you, you got to be professional at all times mm -hmm. so you know a couple times i worked for people and fights broke out in the clubs not even around them and i got them out immediately just get them out of there so, right yeah and, and doing stuff with the girls those guys are you know they're just i don't want to talk shit about their fans or whatever but oh. they're just like not aggressive they're not aggressive guys they're the guy right. you know right, right, with like, the right. whole shirt on or it's the 80s they still you know it's the 2000 they still have the poison shirt on they're like a the creeper could do it like that you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah they're, we, they're not looking for a fight like they're looking for autographs they're looking like oh wow she touched my hand they're, yeah, they're, look, they're looking for a smell they can remember <laughs> yeah yeah you know you got it yeah yeah so we we did the roast of Ron Jeremy and uh, Ron, Ron Jeremy's a friend of mine. Ron oh, Jeremy's right on. oh, we cool. used to hang out. We used to hang out at the Rainbow all the time. Shout out to the Rainbow Bar and Grill in, in Hollywood. <laughs> I just got back from Hollywood, so Ron was there every night. Ron, Ron oh, would come and sign autographs and stuff. Yeah. Ron's still coming out right now. Like not 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 right now. Not right now. He's kind of a little hiatus. He's, he's kind of a little bit of trouble. I, I don't. Uh, they wouldn't let him bail out, so he's still locked up. Interesting. Yeah. But what I was getting, where I was getting to is Lisa Ann was there on the show too, and like the guys coming around, you know, sniffing around Lisa Ann, they get a little. Yeah, bit, yeah. You know, yeah. Lisa Ann. How do I know? How do I know? Is she a Reading girl? Is that the girl from Reading? Lisa. Yeah, Ann? she's from. She's from. Uh, yeah, P. Yeah, she's from. Yeah, Pennsylvania. She's from. She's from Reading. My my friend Derek used to be her her uh, photographer. Uh, photographer. I know that. That's oh, cool. not the name. That's familiar. Yes. Yeah, Nail and Palin. Yeah. <laughs> Right yeah, she 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 had the company. Wasn't it called Skin Skin Industries? Wasn't I wasn't that her? So. I'm not sure yeah. what her company is. She's on Sirius XM though. She's done very well since she's parlayed into a mainstream uh, career. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, so, yeah. I think you know, she, she owned that company, Skin. But go ahead. I, yeah, I, that that sounds familiar. Um, I know she was doing a the bunch U of shit, the, the UFC yeah. ended up buying it or something like that. It ended up being a fight brand. Oh, really? They bought it off. Yeah, it was uh, Gina Lynn and her Travis. Gina Lynn and Travis, and then uh, okay. her husband. They sold it to like the UFC or some fight, fight thing like that. I remember that. Oh, cool! Oh, cool Good for them. 
So yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're mucking around, I'm guessing, in PA. You're, you're you know, bodyguarding for these bands and shit. When does it go, to, and a couple of porn stars, you know, strippers coming in town, need a little, you know, need a little muscle. When does it start to make the move from PA to LA? Oh, I, I left for LA, I, um, what was it, La last year, I left for LA. You know, I, I just, I, I love hair metal. So I was like, fuck it, I know. Yeah. Every, everything I want to do, yeah. Is, is in LA the Sunset Strip, you know, LA's the music awesome. I like. Yeah, I mean everything. The industry I want to get involved in, the music scenes out there. So I just packed up and I I got a um a Airbnb right next to the Seventh Vale. So I didn't even know I booked. I just booked it on this road on uh, North Detroit Street, and it's literally I seen the girls, girls, girls sign it was flashing yeah. in front of my window every night. That's what I went to bed till, you know. So I was like, this can't get more. It's can't like get the graveyard more, of again. Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, it, That's it's like awesome. again, I, I, yeah. again, I stepped in shit and I ended up in a, with a brand new pair of shoes. I couldn't get no better than that for living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you, you start know. hanging out. At what point? Yeah when you're talking to these people and you're looking for like a little bit of security work does your resume unfold yeah i mean i i gave my resume out la was a really a, a real hard nut to crack you know you, everyone thinks you're going to go out there and make it big but it's really networking and, and um i was just out there and then the corona, corona killed my my networking i was out there for a year and then everything started to roll a little bit i started yeah, meeting yeah. people like ron and different people and then then corona hit and i just everything closed down and i was there for like a month or two trying isn't that to, to isn't make... it amazing how it always fucking turn co comes back to who you know you know what i mean like you say about networking and you know meeting people I mean, that's what that's what anything though business. you know you know yeah i mean is the world champion really the world champion or do you have like 20 tomato cans and they give them a million dollar fight like how many fighters do you know like that i had a, a lot of easy fights on the way out get the payday wasn't that good took the ass whooping you know, someone got paid, you know, and then, then that's it. Or maybe they get two apps, two, two good fights, got two good paydays and he's done. You never hear of him again. Mm. And that, that's just the fight world. And that, I mean, it's this world in general, right? One hand walks it in the other. You're never going to get away from, away from that. Yeah. You know? Awesome. And with yeah. the, with the bodyguarding, who's the, who are some of the people that you've got to bodyguard that maybe you were a fan of before that like, oh, I, I, I did, I did Vince Neil for a couple of days just cause he was coming through my town. Oh, cool. So Vince, was, Vince Neil was cool because you know, Motley Crue and I was all on that stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. And hanging out from with, uh, when I did the old firm casual tours, that's Lars from Rancid. So I always grew up listening to punk rock. So everyone knows Lars. I did Jen and Jameson. I did Nikki Tyler like in the before, like right when I was doing MMA. Yes, so I was like 98, 99. Mm. I bumped into them. You know, I did a lot of, I mean, a lot of people I worked for, I didn't know who they were, but now we're really good friends. Like uh, yeah. Christina Rose, I worked for, I didn't know who she was until now. We we're good friends. And, you know, Joanna Angel and Small Hands, they were all in the punk rock scene. They, they're just really famous in the thing they do, you know, the, the Burning Angel company. So, very cool. I mean, yeah, it was more, more like just homies, you know what I'm saying? It was no one like, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. uh, th when I was living in L.A., when I, when I was living in L.A., going to the Rainbow, I mean, it was more like rock star-ish than actually working because you're sitting at the bar and then actually you know the guys from L.A. Guns are there. And I met I met Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses, who yeah. I, and I met Duff McKagan, who's a huge punk rock fan and really into, you know, just super cool. He sat down next to you, super cool dude. Me and him and uh, Paul Bearer from this band called Sheer Terror, they must have talked about old 70s punk for like two hours. I was like, I can't believe it. 
I'm out here with Duff McKagan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're in. You're in you know. Yeah, talking about old punk rock from like the 70s. Just like 20 years before I was even alive. Yeah. You know. And he was big into martial arts too. Like he never, I don't yeah. know, he didn't compete really. But yeah. He, he, yeah, Duff, Duff McKagan actually trains with, uh, let me get this, a uh, super, um, not, not Bill Wallace. He trains with, um, damn, now it's, uh, it's going to slip my mind. But uh, when he got, he lost his uh, a liver appendix, uh, a burst from yes. the alcohol use from all those years. So then he got into martial arts to get sober. And that was his uh, drug rehab. He actually has a bunch of doc, uh, doc documentaries on uh, YouTube that you can watch. I shared some the other day. It was really good. Nice. You know? Bang the Jet. He trains with Bang the Jet Amurkowitz, an old, old 70s kickboxer, 80s kickboxer. Yeah. But yeah, I was talking to him. That's how we started the conversation with Duff. So I, looked, I went over to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a former four-time world kickboxing champion. And I seen your documentary about getting sober through martial arts. And I was like, it changed my life a lot too. Like I'm a way chiller, more laid back guy now that martial arts is my life. We talked for a little bit and I walked away because I didn't want to be like the annoying guy who you don't know is bugging yeah. at the bar. And he came back later on that night. He came up and started talking to me and Paul. Paul Bear is a friend of mine from Syracuse. Probably Google. So he started talking about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nah, I got on. <laughs> maybe, maybe he yeah, did. Right, yeah. But then we started talking, uh, maybe, and we started talking again. He was this laid back dude. And cool. we talked about martial arts for a while. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just yeah. like, it's, it's cool how um, you just find those common connections with people and it just, it's um I, th I think howard stern used to say that everyone's connected through uh eight people of kevin bacon or something like that it was a right, joke to howard but it is very true in life you know like everyone like you guys mentioned iran and i know iran and you know yeah. through through me you know like guns and roses and this person that is everyone like, three three people right here in this uh, radio show we probably know millions of people and now right. people listening billions right you know how that connected mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome, and uh, we just want to say thanks so much for doing the podcast. It's amazing how, yeah, how it comes together. Like, we always have – and that's how the podcast works is one person kind of unlocks another guest and introduces us, and our friend Billy Tardy, you know, he connected us uh, for for the podcast. Yeah, but Billy just, always um, has, like, a, a line in on some scrappy MMA guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you got all the hockey dudes. And <laughs> he's in the punk scene too. Right? MMA dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I met him at a hardcore party. It was a party at our friend's house. We're all in the hardcore music scene. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Really that was a great, great, great time on your show. Thank you for letting me yeah, yeah. on Thanks here. so much, Eric, man. Talk about myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Right cool. on. Uh, listen, but, you know, when the world resumes, man, I'd love to catch up with you, you know, in LA and PA or whatever it is. Yeah, for go sure. Ahead, I'm going go down. You can I'll follow me on my Instagram too. Yeah. You guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? What is the Instagram anyway? I my Instagram is uh hooligan under slash fifty one fifty. Cool. Right on. Yeah. I'll you right now. Yeah. And that goes for all you guys too. All the listeners. And we'll yeah, throw it up on the screen yeah, for yeah, when yeah. this goes on Thank you. Uh, YouTube and stuff like that, so people can follow you. And we'll just we'll include the links in the. Uh, you know, in the bio and stuff, so people know where to find you if they need any right. security work. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for for being yeah. on. And uh, Eric Uch, everyone, make sure you follow him on Instagram and uh, check out some of his fights on YouTube. Your fights, sir. Yeah. <laughs> we watched the highlight reel. It was just a yeah. 
just a rampage. <laughs> That's when I was young. Now I'm old. <laughs> now I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you get to celebrate on podcasts. So. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. Eric, awesome. Thanks All so right, much, man. Talk to you soon. Be right, safe. Later. You too. Ha <laughs> ha.